We've been talking about over the last few weeks this, these ideas of the promises that God gives us in Scripture and how they can be those anchors in our lives. We talked a few weeks ago about the fact that God is in control of everything. Complete control of all things. And because of that, we can trust Him with our lives. We talked about the fact that God is with us, that He is constantly on our side, constantly fighting on our behalf. And because of that, because God is with us, we don't have to fear. We talked about the fact that God is good, and because of that, we don't have to despair, that we can trust in God and what He's doing for us. Last week, we talked about that one, that sometimes... People misinterpret when we say God's always watching. And the idea is that His eyes are constantly searching the earth to help those who love Him. And we're going to get to the fifth one in just a minute. But the reason that these truths are so important, the reason that the idea of this I know is so important, is because our lives are filled with uncertainty. Everywhere we seem to go, uncertainty reigns. And here's the reality. One pastor has said, I find that the reason in life that I doubt and despair, that I fail and I falter, is because I'm uncertain of how things are going to end up. Think about this. If you knew how your story was going to end, or think of a particular situation in your life right now that you are uncertain about. Maybe it's a medical condition, maybe it's a family situation, maybe it's a financial problem. If you knew how it was going to end, it would change how you deal with it now. Right? Uncertainty is that thing that makes us worry and fret. Here's the truth, if you knew it was going to end badly, you could prepare right now for that result. And if you knew it was going to end well, you wouldn't have to. Worry. My father-in-law is uh, in town this weekend. They, I guess they thought the baby was going to be born this weekend. And the baby has decided she wants to hang out for a few days and not be born. But they're in town this weekend, and he'll actually be here with us in the 1030 service. And he and I cannot watch a sporting event together anymore on TV. And I'm not just talking about a Tennessee-Kentucky game. I'm talking about games in general. Because here's how I now watch games on TV. I tape them, and I wait about 30 minutes to an hour, and I check the score. And if it's going okay, then I go back and I watch it. He doesn't want to know anything about what's happening. He, we'll sit there, you know, how many of you have a DVR, know what a DVR, TiVo, any of that, all right? You can pause live TV, and I'll just pause the game, or I'll fast forward through parts that don't mean anything. He said, what are you doing? It's just, what, what you mean, and then he'll say, you mean this isn't live right now? No, no, it's a, we'll catch up eventually. I want to catch up now. I, I, I don't like living with the uncertainty of the game. To show you how uncertainty works, I thought about this yesterday, um, um, yesterday, I don't know if y'all knew this, it was hot. And so we decided to do something cool. Apparently, everybody else in Davidson and Sumner County decided to do the same thing. We went to see a movie yesterday. And they, we, we had to crawl over 18 people to find seats together. 
But we were watching the movie, and it was the movie, the new Disney movie, Brave. And, and I thought about how differently my experience watching that movie was than Luke's. I'm not going to give away too much, but something really bad happens in the movie. That, that's kind of all movies, right? Here's what I know. It's a kid's Disney movie. It's going to end well. Right? They're not going to end poorly. They're going to end it well. So you know what happens? At every moment that it seems like the main character is not going to get out of trouble, what do I know? She's going to get out of trouble. Luke doesn't know that. He hasn't learned that yet. And the movie was a completely different experience for him. The intense parts were more intense. The scary parts were much more scary. Because he doesn't know how it's going to end. The thing about these promises of God is they give us certainty in the midst of uncertainty. And if we know some things for sure, it changes how we live now. Think about some instances in your life. Think back to some of the most difficult moments or days or decisions in your life and think about them, not, not like the one last week. I'm talking about the one a decade ago, 20 years ago. And then think how it's worked out now. Susan and I were talking about that this week. We we're obviously have babies kind of on our brain because well, Susan is really thinking about uh, babies and is ready to have one. Ten years ago this past week was when we found out that we were pregnant with our first child. Eleven years ago, almost exactly this week, is when we were told by doctors we would never have our own children. And I vividly remember that year. And what Susan and I just kind of jokingly said is, if you would have told us ten years later you are about to have your fourth, we would have thought you were absolutely nuts. But think how differently I would have approached the situation 11 years ago, if I knew what I know now. The last promise is one of those promises that encourages us to keep going because of a truth from Scripture. Here's the last promise. God is always victorious. God is always victorious. Look at Isaiah chapter 54. If you've got your Bibles, turn with me there. We're going to be just briefly there. We're going to look at two verses of Scripture today. This one, and then we're going to, to talk about this promise. And then we're going to wrap up the entire series with some, but no better way to say it than some shouting good news. Alright? Is that alright? Are you okay with that today? You may not shouting about it, but you're okay with it. Isaiah chapter 54, one of my favorite verses in all Scripture is 54.17, and it says this. No weapon formed against you. Now, let's just be real clear. The you here is the nation of Israel. But what's interesting is, this was written to a nation that was preparing for exile and coming out of exile. And so to them, when they hear that no weapon formed against you will succeed, the first thing they're going to think is, well, there have been lots of weapons that have succeeded against us. We'll get to that in a minute. No weapon formed against you will succeed and you will refute any accusation 
raised against you in court. This is the heritage of the Lord's servants, and their righteousness is from Me. This is the Lord's declaration. Now, here's something just at the end of that verse, and then we're going to go back to the beginning. That when it says this is the Lord's declaration, what we understand very quickly is the Lord's declaration is completely different than everybody else's declaration. Amen? When the Lord says it, it is true. When the Lord declares it, it will happen. And so if the Lord says it, you can bank on it. And He says here that no weapon formed against you will succeed. Now just for your information, when we think about weapon, the first thing that I naturally think of, and you probably do, are things used in war, things used in aggression. So we think of guns or knives or in their day swords or even slingshots from David's age. But the word weapon there literally means any tool or utensil used against someone. So it doesn't have to be a sword or a weapon that is used in military conquest. It could just be any object used against you. It could be a pink slip. Or a legal summons. Or somebody else's car. A cell phone. A checkbook. An accusation we'll get to in a moment. It says in Scripture here, That no weapon, you know what the word no means, right? No means no. No weapon formed against you will succeed. The reason is because Scripture reminds us over and over again that it's not because of our strength that's true, it's because the Lord fights for us. Joshua 23.10 says, One man of you puts to flight a thousand. You say, how in the world could I put to flight a thousand men? And this is what he said through Joshua. Since it is the Lord your God who fights for you. When it says no weapon formed against you shall prosper, what it means is the victorious nature of our God has come into your life and can be used on your behalf. And then it says this, because some of you say, Pastor, I, it's not the cars or the objects that I'm worried about. It's what people say that really hurts. Look what it says. You will refute any accusation raised against you in court. Now, that means more than just if you get sued, you can go defend yourself. What it means is, that whatever accusations people bring against you, God will vindicate you. Now here's the thing. Scripture makes this pretty evident that we, if we are following Jesus Christ, will have slanderous things said about us and will experience difficulty. In fact, if you've never faced difficulty because of your faith in Jesus Christ, then you need to check how boldly you're living for Jesus. Because Jesus says, if you follow Me, you will have persecution, you will have accusations, things will come against you. But Scripture also says that God will shame those who accuse His people and will vindicate them. 
In fact, Scripture says, and this is an interesting thing, that in the end, that we will get the opportunity to join in in saying to others that we were right because of the glory of God. No weapon formed against you will succeed. No accusation raised you against you in court will work. And the reason is because we are part of the Lord's family. Here's the truth. If God is always victorious and we are a part of God's family, then the truth is we win. Right? If God's always victorious and we're a part of that team, then we win. And that is the hope that is set before us. That no matter what situation you are in right now, God is always victorious. Now here's the truth. God doesn't reveal the entire plan to us. He, I talked about how I watch games these days. Here's how I really watch. I have an app on my phone or my computer, and like the Cardinals are playing, I, I tape it, and then I come back a little bit later and I say, wait a minute, the Cardinals are up six to nothing. So then I go back for the play-by-play detail of how they got there, and then I go watch whatever innings they scored in. Alright? That's kind of how God reveals life to us. Right? We, we know the score in the end. It's not how God reveals it. Because we don't get the play-by-play after. We get it as we go. And so we know the ultimate score... We win, God's enemies lose. But He only reveals it to us moment after moment. And to be honest with you, there are moments in life when it doesn't feel like we are going to win at all. Can I get an amen there? I mean, there are moments when it doesn't look like we're going to win. Back to the movie. There were several times in that movie yesterday that if the screen would have gone blank, it would have been a terrible ending. Right? And there are several times in our lives when if the screen went blank, it would seem like a terrible ending. But here's the truth. God's more concerned about the ultimate goal than our momentary comfort. Because the glory set before us is so much greater than any momentary discomfort. And so even when it seems like in this moment it's not going to happen, it is. Romans 16.20. Just write that reference down if you've got a pen and paper out. or You don't have to turn there. We're not going to be there long. But I want you to hear this. The God of peace will soon crush Satan... Under your feet. You know what's interesting about that verse? Is the use of the pronoun your there. Who's the book of Romans written to? The Romans. There you go. That was not a trick question. I'm glad you jumped on there. The book of Romans was written to Romans and he says to them, God will crush Satan under whose feet? Your feet. Our feet. The people of God's feet. God is not only going to... It's This isn't one of those things where He's going to go wipe everybody out and then we get to come along and go, Woo, we won! We 
get to be a part of the victory. Now here's what I love about that verse in Romans. Does it remind anybody of a verse somewhere else in the Bible? Genesis. Where God says that when the fall happens, He says, My descendant will crush your head. And the truth is, the reason that we can claim victory and the reason that we know we win is for one simple reason. Jesus. All the promises of God are revealed and experienced through Jesus. What he's saying there is that I promised that one would come and crush his head. And Jesus did and will. And because you are part of my family, and because of what Jesus has done for you, you get to be a part of that. In fact, now this is the moment that if I could play Bill Lars' trumpet, I'd have him have it up here and I'd start playing it. Because this is shouting good news. Because of Jesus Christ, every one of these promises of God has been activated in our lives. In fact, look at this verse of Scripture from the um, book of 2 Corinthians. It says, For all the promises of God find their yes in Him. That is why it is through Him, and this is the biblical way it's okay to say Amen. It is through Him that we utter our Amen to God for His glory. It is through Jesus that all the promises of God find their yes. In fact, listen, these are the promises we've talked about. God is in complete control. I will not doubt. Hebrews 1.3 says that Jesus upholds the universe by the word of His power. It's Jesus Christ, the instrumentality of God the Father's sovereignty. Jesus is the one who's holding it all together. Promise number two, God is always with us. We will not fear. It is Jesus who said in Matthew chapter 28 that we were to go into all the world making disciples, telling them about Jesus, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then He says, And behold, I am with you even until the end of the age. Jesus is the promised One of God. God is always good. It is Jesus who declared, I am the Good Shepherd. He was telling us to count on Him to do what all good shepherds do. God is always watching. We won't falter. Colossians 1 talks about Jesus, a tent of interest in all that He has made. Jesus puts a person on the concept of God watching us. And finally, what we talked about today, God is always victorious. Scripture tells us repeatedly that the one who is always victorious is Jesus, the mighty warrior. Make no mistake about it, Jesus is going to win. It doesn't matter what happens in November in the United States. Jesus is going to win. It doesn't matter what the Supreme Court says. Jesus is going to win. It doesn't matter what your neighbors say about Jesus. Jesus is going to win. It doesn't matter what a crazy man in the Middle East declares on followers of Jesus. Jesus is going to win. Revelation 19.15 says that from His mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. His eyes are like flames of fire. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood. And by the name, the name by which He is called is the Word of God. On His robe and on His thigh is written those names, King of kings and Lord of lords. He will set the world in order and He will do it with a single word. All of God's promises are only experienced in Him.
Romans 11.36 says, For from Him and through Him and to Him are all things made. It's Christ's presence that takes away our fear. It's Christ's control that gives us assurance in the face of doubts. It's Christ's goodness that renews us when we're weighed down by despair. It's Christ's watch, care, and intervention that keeps us from faltering. And it is Christ's inevitable victory that assures us we will not fail. Let me just ask you, what's going on in your life right now that you need to know that God wins? What's happening in your life right now? Do you need to know that God wins? And can I ask you to do something today? Can you just trust Him? And can you allow that to determine the decisions you make in dealing with that situation? Here's what I found in my own life. When difficulty comes, most of the time, I go further into more difficulty when I try to fix it myself. And I get lifted, either spiritually or physically, out of the situation when I just depend on Him. Let me also just ask you a real simple question. Are you sure that you have a relationship with Jesus that unlocks these promises? Because the truth is, you can listen to every word I've said over the last five weeks about the promises of God. And if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I'm not talking about church membership. I'm not talking about have walked down an aisle. I'm not talking about something you said 50 years ago that has shown no fruit whatsoever in your life. I'm talking about a viable, real relationship with Jesus. If you don't have that, then all of this is nonsense to you. Because these promises and the truth of God's Word is only activated in our lives through our relationship with Jesus. Let me also say this. If you're someone that has a relationship with Jesus, you've begun that process, you're following Him, these promises are only as good as the way that you trust Him with them. So this morning, do you have that relationship with the Lord?